Hey, what's up, guys? This is Ricky V. And today we have episode number 16 of the Elite Fitness Podcast. And today we're being joined by my buddy, Matt Lane. Matt is an entrepreneur in the fitness industry. You guys are going to hear all about his business and how he's made his way around this industry. Now, without further ado, here's Matt Lane. But it, Lancaster is essentially like turning into a suburb of Philadelphia. Um, because everybody's, it's the city exodus. Over the last like 10 years, a lot of the, you know what I mean, like upper middle class people have sort of moved away from there, um, to, from the city area and, and Westchester and all that are, are really expensive. So a lot of people have moved to Lancaster because um, it's kind of an in-between uh, between like York, Baltimore, Harrisburg, Philadelphia. Um, and there's a train station there and you can literally, I mean, you can hop on an Amtrak and be in New York in three hours for like 20 bucks. Um, so it's, it's honestly like very convenient. So that's where our... Are you originally from PA? You grew up in Pennsylvania? Yeah, I'm born and raised in York. Um, people always like, oh, New York. And I'm like, no, bro, old York. <laughs> like <laughs> old York. Like it's, uh, it's, a, it's actually like a historic town. It was, um, it was the originally, everything here is the first capital. So like we have first capital credit union, first capital bank, first capital insurance, first capital this, um, because we were literally the first capital of the United States after the Declaration of Independence was um, written uh, about six months later, they, uh, the founding fathers got together here in York um, and signed what's called the Articles of Confederation, uh, which originally was our constitution. Uh, and that was signed here at the Colonial Courthouse downtown. Um, however, York is actually originally a German farming town um, it was founded like, I don't know, bro, like early 1700s, late 1600s. And uh, it, all the uh, colonial dudes were essentially like rich aristocrats from, uh, from England and Philadelphia. And they, after living here for a little while, I mean, there wasn't like proper streets. There really wasn't sewage systems. You know what I mean? And it was kind of like a rough town. And like uh, Pennsylvania Dutch people are, you know, I mean, they eat things like hog maw and uh, and big feet, you know, like scramble. Uh, what's a uh, scrapple? You know what I mean? Like so. Yeah, yeah. Can you still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you for sure. I'm listening. Yeah. So uh, essentially, they were just like, "Yo, we we want to be out of here." Stay close to the mic. Sometimes you're you're coming in and out. Make sure to stay close to the mic. All right. Yeah, I think it's because my thing is a little. So bit you, you have you 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 have a, a gym there, a store, and you're opening up a second store. Or is the gym and the store in the same location? So we just have a store um, and I have my brand. Everybody thinks we're a gym because of the name. Um, but I like I haven't gotten around to opening a gym. My town is uh, very saturated with gyms right now. And I do a lot of business with the, the gyms that are owned in this town. So I didn't feel like it was um, a good business move. For me to jump into a gym so right now we just have the brand and um the, the do you the have store. one of these stores that you bought from someone's store who's failing or did you open it fresh new i opened it fresh so i i've been i was personal training for years and i was actually in school for uh physical therapy uh and uh decided to quit going to school um launch the brand and then the gym that i was training at got sold and i was like what's what's my fucking next chapter and my girl and I were just like, just open a store, um, found a location, bought out some dudes failing 
uh, it was like a computer repair business. He wanted out his lease. So I bought out his lease at a good price, gave myself like a eight month test run to see if I could do it. And, uh, and, and it worked, you know what I mean? Thankfully, um, I mean, my town showed up and, and started buying shit for me. And every month I turn around and I, I, I improve the store. I bring in better brands. I bring in better product. You know what I mean? Improve the service. Like, and uh, so far we're growing. And I mean, in two years, we've grown enough that I can successfully open up a store in an area that like it's, it's about 20 minutes from where I'm at now. That is dude, substantially more expensive to have a location um, and a lot bigger of an investment for me. I'm signing like a five-year lease with a five-year extension. So, I mean, it's not a cheap. You've got service yeah. attached to your store, I'm sure, right? Like every uh, new uh, new store does. What do you mean service? Uh, you have uh, consulting, smoothies, uh, meals, all of that good stuff. Oh, yeah. So the test, the, the small store, and this will be kind of a prelude. I'm a, I'm, I feel comfortable talking about the new location because I've, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm getting ready to announce it. You know what I mean? On my uh, social media accounts anyway here within the next week or so. Um, but the, the current location has smoothies. Um, I mean, they have clothing. We sell belts. We sell rats. I'm like the retailer for F8 Customs, which is uh, um, like kind of like the bench daddy thing. Um, they're bench bands. Uh, it's called the Widowmaker. Um, we sell knee wraps, knee sleeves. Like uh, we have um, leggings. We have apparel. Uh, all kinds of stuff. We're a little bit more than just a supplement shop. It's kind of like the name of the store is the House of Beans Fitness Outlet. Uh, and the idea is basically to create, like, I really wanted it to be like a meat bags paradise, like where any like gym rat would want to go and do like most of their shopping outside of, uh, you know what I mean? Their groceries. Yeah. Outside yeah. of Whole Foods. Outside of Whole Foods, bro. You're coming here to grab everything. Um, and it's, it's difficult because, you know what I mean? It's a small, the current location is a small space um, and kind of keeping up with, you know, I mean, all the new trends and, you know, I mean, everything, all the deals that I run into and it, it becomes a space issue, but this new location is twice the size. So um, what we're going to You're, you're not closing there, the second, the, the first store. You're keeping that open and just opening up a new yeah, location. Yeah, I mean, my, area, right? my location in York is not the best, but my rent is cheap. My employees are great and my, and it makes, you know what I mean? It's profitable. So there's no reason for me to close it. Um, the only thing I might do is open, is like, move to the space next to me which is like twice the size and that's only if i you know what i mean decide to do that but i still have plenty of time on this lease so i'm i'm not in any hurry to close i'm not gonna uh break what's already working you know what i mean like it's not you, there's a guy lo locally here about a block away from from my house and uh he opened a store here in long island now the town that i live in baldwin right now it's uh medium household income is like 100 about one hundred nineteen thousand. yeah and this dude's store failed, basically failed miserably. And when I went there, talked to him, cause I didn't, I'd seen the store closed. Um, cause I was away. I was away during the pandemic. I came back into the country and then I see the stores closed And in about six months, the store opened and closed and I never noticed it. And I went to made an appointment to talk to the guy and I wanted, I was just curious what went wrong because I, I couldn't see someone opening a supplement store and it going away, not in this town. Right. And he, he just had that old school business model that one that many guys, say guys like you, have bought these stores from people that didn't know what they were doing. He had all the popular brands on the shelf, 
everything from muscle pharma to labrata to on he wasn't really doing uh, perishables and his smoothie game was was just horrible and he wasn't really fitting in fitness consultations along with it so he basically was just competing in price with amazon and gnc oh. and everybody else and yeah. didn't and didn't quite didn't quite add some of the service stuff that I'm sure you're doing in order to I mean, it's opening a, a second store. So I'm sure you're doing. So go over some of the things, if you don't mind for guys out there, that are thinking about opening stores or they have their own stores. Some of the things that the new store has to do in order to stay relevant in front of Amazon and, you know, these GNCs everywhere that are closing shop, many of them. And, you know, what are some of the mistakes and things that are too old school, things you shouldn't do with your store if you want to stay open and expand and, and grow like the way you're doing? So I will preface with, I got into this, no idea what the fuck I was doing. No idea what the hell I was doing. I, I've never worked in retail before. I've never done manufacturing before. I've never done, I've never been a boss before. I've always been either self-employed or bartender. Literally, those are the two jobs I've ever, I mean, I did little factory gigs here and there, but like I walked into this with absolutely no knowledge whatsoever. So um, I learned everything that I've done in the last, you know what I mean, three, four years in my store. I've had the brand for four years. And I've had the store for two um, is all through beating my head against the wall and financially taking chops on the chin. Um, and, and, you know what I mean? Learning from other guys, uh, uh, that I've made friends with over the years and brands and stores and, you know, I mean, looking at what works for one place, what knocks for another. There's a lot of uh, cool guys out there. There's that one dude, Josh Shaw. I listen to his one podcast, uh, little YouTube videos every now and then to see what the big guys are doing. And the, the one thing that I've really found has been beneficial for me um, is not only like not just not just following the trends, kind of making your own trends. Um, not forget, not focusing on the hardcore. I, I swear to God, I see most of the stores where I don't want to be a, uh, an owner operator at all. I, I want, I, I love being in my shop, but I have more ambition than to just clock in. I might as well just be a fucking clerk without all the overhead. You know what I mean? Like I want managers, I want employees. Um, and it seems like a lot of the guys just focus on the hardcore stuff and they forget about they always they always focus on like the rich piano five percent of the gym they're like this is it and i see dudes do it with gyms all the time too and they're like you know what i mean it's gonna be dirty it's gonna be grungy and i'm like yeah that's cool but like you know who spends the most money middle-aged women middle-aged women are the ones that spend absolutely the most amount of money on any product you know what i mean across the board they buy clothes, they buy fat burners, they buy protein, they buy drinks, they buy smoothies, they buy fucking everything. And, and I'm like, you're going to focus on like the ratty hardcore dude. Those dudes will go wherever, you know what I mean? Whatever's the deal is, whatever the best deal is. Some yeah, of them want like, shit. Some of them, they have a decent Instagram grind. They want shit for free because they have 10,000 followers. Yeah. And I'm not chasing some fucking meat bag. Like, and like, uh, the, the the hardcore gym idea i have people who are like oh man you should open up a house of games and it'd be like dirty and i was like yeah i want to fucking do that like i want i want a really nice place like i want i and, and i found in the industry when you chase like the lower level um financial clientele 
you deal with a lot more problems. You know what I mean? Like you don't go to a gas station. I don't know long. I've never been to Long Island, so I don't know the ritzy part. I'm actually looking at like a map of it right now because I have uh, some retailers in the area. But like, I would guess that like the Hamptons, I guess the Hamptons would be like, yeah, I'm guessing that's a famous place. I don't fucking know. Um, but like, you wouldn't go there and see like, you know what I mean? People smoking crack out front and doing heroin and stuff like that. I don't want to deal with that. I want, I want to go. I looked at in, in the map of my hometown, I got all the uh, income streams. You know what I mean? So your area, you know, the income stream. I looked at the map of York and I was like, what has like, you know what I mean? A decent condensed income uh, um, population uh, with upper middle, middle to upper middle class people where the average household income is over $75,000. And I found that area and that's where I put my store and a relatively low cost thing. People don't look at overhead. Um, there was a store in my area um, prior to me opening up that they picked very expensive retail location. And I think because they only chased hardcore, I mean, that ended up biting them in the ass in the, on the way out the door. Um, because as soon as, you know what I mean, something else opened up and they lost some customers, I mean, that, that rent piles up real quick, man. You're overheaded, everything. Like I've been negotiating this lease for my Lancaster store for 11 months now. And my agent was like, bro, this is like the longest lease. And I'm like, cause I'm not getting, I'm not getting like screwed over on this long ass lease, dude. It's a contract. I mean, you're on the hook, say your rent's five grand a month. That's $60,000 a year, five years long. That's, that's $300,000 you're on the hook for. Like <laughs> if, if you back out of that lease, like, bro, that's expensive. You got to come out of your pocket. That's a, that's a, that's a that's a five bedroom house in my area and then you just owe it you know or you got to declare bankruptcy and your whole company and then all your employees go it's just it's a rack the other thing that i will say that i think that people in general um don't do which i find to be it's almost disheartening um like i've watched people they get into this industry and they get into a lot of industries for one thing they get into it for money. Now, if I was to get into a banking industry for money, that makes sense. If I was gonna get into a construction industry for money, that makes sense. Cause there's really no like emotional attachment to that. But it's, in my opinion, it's not the same way with fitness. Like fitness has an emotional attachment to it. It has a release to it. I know that I personally had a big problem with drugs and alcohol for a long time and 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 the fitness industry and, 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 and gym and powerlifting and bodybuilding all those things was an outlet for me and it still is to this day so like there's an emotional attachment to the fitness industry and i see a lot of people they get into it because they think they're going to make a lot of money and that's cool and everything but you're destined to fail if your only goal is money i like looking at i've i've found that for my business the way i run things i i do my my shit i want i want it to be fun i want it to be um comical i want it to be uh inviting uh i have great self-awareness as the fact of like i know i'm a meatbag you know what i mean like i know it like and uh, and that's what i like you know, the thing that i think it's funny um and i play all is that, this your this is your, your store is your full-time now or do you have another gig besides your your full-time i still do personal training um part-time but i pick my clients um and i don't want to uh i don't want to get into i don't i don't want to do any more than that and I have some people that do um, consulting for me for uh, uh, like diet and prep coaching. I have my little house against prep squad. I have a buddy of mine that does uh, 
um, like prep coaching for bodybuilding and bikini and girls and stuff like that. Um, but I, yeah, this is my full-time gig. It's all I do. For I, a I, know, I know a lot of guys, uh, and I was really surprised guys that I've met in the last year or so, couple years that have a brand. Some of them have a store. They still have a regular job. They work at an oil field or they work a <laughs> engineering or something like that. I was always really, really surprised to meet guys like that. I'm sure you've seen them too. Yeah. And it's surprising how they manage that because running a store is a lot of work, but I also want to expand my stuff. So um, luckily my wife is a teacher. So like our income's pretty stable as far as like, and we live very, very below our means. Like we meal prep our own food. Hell, half my clothing is free. You know what I mean? Because I either buy it, I either wear the Johnny Bravo outfit, which is the house of gains gear every day. Or like I or other companies are sending me their clothes to wear, you know, brands I sell in my store send me a T-shirt or like whatever. Um, I'm gonna so send like, you some T-shirts from my brand, uh, so you can fuck put yeah, up. bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, it's pretty much all I wear now because I tell companies like, if I sell your product, why wouldn't you want me to wear your shirt? You know what I mean? Everywhere I go, because um, then people ask me about it when I go to one of the local gyms, and I'll be like, yeah, I carry this brand in my store. Um, and people ask me like, oh, do you feel comfortable promoting other people's stuff? And I'm like, no, because I sell the shit. So like, why wouldn't I promote it? Um, which is like a weird place to be in sometimes as a brand owner. But like, I only pick brands in my store that I believe in anyway. So I'm, I'm comfortable with those people making money off of me regardless. Um, but like, like what I was saying with it not being fun, a lot of those dudes that like, they have other jobs. I, I almost wonder like, why do you, why do you do this thing? You know what I mean? Is it an interesting? And there's some of the people that I've seen fail at it. They were, they were boring. You know what I mean? Like they were boring as hell. And you talk to them yeah, and you're like, yeah. why, do you, why are you even in this industry? Like I see your stuff and I'm like, this is, this is great. You know what I mean? Cause your thing is big booty Colombian chicks. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, I see that, and I'm like, bro, like, I mean, I couldn't get away with that for my brand because that's not like, your wife won't like it at all, dude. You, you oh don't want God. you talking to all these no girls way. asking for pictures. <laughs> Tell me about it. I'm a single guy, so I get to do that. But yeah, yeah, I can see that ending terribly for me. Um, now she's very accepting. Like she knows like where the lines are and everything. And and we have girls that promote our stuff, but it's it's business, and she knows that it's a physical um, based industry, so that comes with the territory. But she's cool. She's involved in everything I do. Um, she comes to every event with me. She comes to, she helps me at my store. She helps me in my office. Like she's a fucking trooper. Um, you know, Dan Blizzarian, and not that Dan Blizzarian is someone to listen to, but shit, even a broken clock is right twice a day, right? So mm -hmm. Dan Blizzarian said, um, if you want to get women, don't don't go chasing women, have them come to you. And, yeah. and there's probably not a better way to have fitness girls come to you than owning a nutritional supplement brand because that's mm -hmm. sponsors them. That's how they, that's how they get, get around. Yeah. And I see guys that like, so they, they go into that with that, that think that thought that like, if I do this, I'm going to be the man. And I'm like, you should be the man first. You know what I mean? Like you, you don't, it, the, the subs don't make you the man. You're the man that takes the subs. Like I'm trying, if you know what I'm trying to say, like I get, I get yep, some nerdy yep, yep. ass dudes that get yeah. into the brand industry and get into the store industry. And I'm like, this isn't a way that you get girls. But like it makes it does make it easier. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to say that this isn't a way to make money and fame and like all the other stuff that comes along with it. But like, I find personally that if I believe in what I do and I'm having fun while I do it, 
all the rest will come. You know what I mean? Like, I honestly, like, I don't even know how, how I got here some days because I feel like every day I wake up and I'm like, you know what I mean? I just do what I feel like I'm supposed to do. And I like having fun and doing dumb stuff and making stupid promotional videos and things like that. And I think when you have more fun doing it, people respond to that. Um, it's just like, if you're the dude that like, I mean, you know, like when you, when you go after a girl, if you're like pounding them and being fucking weird about it, like what's the easiest way to get a girl? Make her laugh. Make her laugh so hard her pants fall off. Leave you know her what I mean? And, and so, leave her the fuck like, alone. That's, I, I, I see dudes like get into the industry and I'm like, bro, are you just going to be like boring about this shit? Or are you going to try and have fun while you do it? I look at guys that have very extensive um, marketing uh, and, and they, 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 it seems like uh, that guy, Jacob, down at the nutrition store in South Carolina, dude, I love his content. You know what I mean? It's hilarious. Um, and you can tell that he thoroughly enjoys what he does. Um, and that's attractive to people. It's attractive to customers. It's attractive to uh, other business owners, you know, followers, you know what I mean? Um, and, and I think that that's a better way to look at it. Uh, I was talking to the same guy uh, and he puts out information for free, you know what I mean? Doesn't charge for it. And, uh, and, and then people respond. You ever listen to Gary Vaynerchuk? I have a, who hasn't, right? Who hasn't? Yeah, but I have exactly. Yet. So, so Gary V tells about like, don't sell P in a hardcore closer literally just had a whole series on this recently. He was like, don't DM people your pitch. Stop pitching shit to people because they don't like you. You know what I mean? They don't know you. Stop inviting people to dinner on the pretense of friends and then try and sell them something. It's insulting. It's disgusting. And it ends terribly. Like I like the concept that Gary Vee put out was put out free information. Once people trust you, once people believe in you, once people know you're not a fraud or a phony, and then all of a sudden they want to buy shit from you. And that's kind of the principle that I look at. I want people to feel comfortable. I want people to, um, you know what I mean, feel good about buying product from me. I want to show them that I'm a good person, um, that, that the products are good, that the prices are good. Because um, you're, when, you're, when you're being like that guy and trying to beat Amazon, good luck. They're a fucking powerhouse. This dude's the richest man in the world. Like, you think you're going to beat him? You're not. Like, you've got to give people a reason to be emotionally invested in you, whether that's a belief that they want you to do well, whether that's the belief that you're giving them the best product, the best, you know what I mean, service. You got to beat them on service, or you're beating them just purely on like the fact that they fucking like you. You know what I mean? And I try and hit all those different angles at different points in time. Uh, and it seems to be beneficial. I think the best thing you can do in business is get people to like you. Yeah, even, even within even within our niche, there's still niches within the niche, corners of the niche. So there's nutrition. You know which way I went. You know, where I just focus on the steroid users, and mm -hmm. and it's a, it's a good crowd. Guys spend money. Uh, guys are always on their grind. Uh, the turnover is not as fast. Like you were talking about middle-aged women. Well. They turn over pretty fast. You might see a ton of them the first three months out of the year, and then you might not see them for years. Mm -hmm. But but meatheads tend to tend to stay on it, and that's been my crowd. And I, one of the things I do is on every one of my supplement bottles, it's my cell phone number that's there as the customer support number, and I'll fucking answer anybody's call, even if I'm driving, even if it's Sunday night, I don't care, 
if it's a guy and, and he's got some questions or he's got an issue with his order, or he, or he just wants to know what to do about his fucking cycle. I've, I've had guys call me like, Rick, my fucking nipples are itching and I'm taking this, <laughs> I'm taking this, this, uh, this aromas in and it's not working. I've been taking it for four days. It might be bunk. So, you know, that's even, even within our industry, you've got to find your niche. You got to find what it is that you specialize in, even, even inside of nutrition. Now, uh, the way things are where you go to social and you can have it your way, you could find who to follow. You could find the brand you want that appeals to you directly. It's so important to really identify who your customer is within a crowd of a nutritional product buyers, bodybuilding product buyers. You got to find which of those guys are yours and make sure that you are, you're there for them. It's really, really interesting time now to be in this industry. Yeah, no, I, I thoroughly agree. Um, I try and be as uh, communicative as possible with people um, because I'm so focused on like the expansion of my company. It makes it difficult, but like, yeah, you, you've got to be honest with people. You got to be willing to answer their questions and stuff. It, it gets sketchy on my side of things because I have to watch certain things like because I, I mean I have guys come into the shop and um and and they'll ask me questions about stuff like that or I'm at the gym at the gym I'm more I don't, it depends on my mood you know what I mean if I'm like you know like if I'm just trying to get in real quick and get out and I don't want people running me down a million questions but uh I I, I get I get two types of, like some people are asking me questions trying to find a source you know what I mean which I immediately shut that down because I'm not going to prison and then two um it's it's people who genuinely want to ask questions like hey i think my shit's fucked up and then i like i like talking to those people because it's fun for me it's a little bit it's a you know there's some scientific aspect to it that a lot of people don't understand and i personally love the ped side of things from an intellectual standpoint like learning about all the different stuff and talking to people about the things that they're fucking doing wrong hearing the dumb absolutely dumb shit that people will run uh, especially when you people that cross over from the SARM world into the into the you know what I mean the ana, like the true anabolic world yep, yep, you, hear, yep, yep. you hear some fucking wild stories I'm like like I was just one dude who was telling me he was on trend for a year and I was like bro what he's like yeah and I was like you look like shit dog like <laughs> bro, you look terrible like I've, unfortunately on, I've bro. heard those stories before guys on trend for a whole year yeah Bro, my one this the one dude was telling me he was taking a gram of test, a gram of trend, SARMs, and like pro hormones like your DMZs, max LMGs. And uh bro, this motherfucker weighed 165 pounds. My girl could out deadlift. His max deadlift was like 300. And my girl, who's completely natural, but she didn't even take she takes she drinks like aminos in her drink every now and then. And then like occasionally we'll take like a pre-workout or like drink like a protein shake. Like she's thorough. Like she could be on like the Olympic weightlifting team. Like she would never piss hot for anything. Um, and I'm like, my girl can out deadlift you, bro. And you're literally destroying your kidneys right now. Like, a, like a nitwit. Like to have, haven't you noticed some guys come to you reporting uh, pro hormone kind of steroid like side effects from SARMS products they're taking. Cause one thing I run across a lot is a lot. I think uh, a lot of SARMS products out on the market right now are being faked. There are, oh. there are a ton of pro hormones 
that are in the books as far as uh, hormones we've identified that could be synthesized. And many of them just never became popular because they were nowhere near as good as Halodrol or Superdrol or any of the shit we know from the 60s. Yeah. But 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 they're still kind of there. You can still buy them out, out of China, import them in. They're still not scheduled because they never gained popularity. And when, pe- and when they throw these in SARMs and people take them, they'll get, they'll know they're on something. But when a guy writes me or, or calls me and says, I'm, I'm, I'm having itchy nipples from taking SOMs from taking a, a rat or taking YK 11, that, that throws me for, have you noticed that as well too? When people come up and ask about, uh, about PDs and you think they might be taking fake SOMs out there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's probably one of the sketchiest parts of the whole industry um, because people see fast money and like, and there's also like uh, one thing that I'll realize, I've, I've noticed a lot of people are price shoppers when it comes to the PEDs. And I'm like, bro, just because it's cheap doesn't mean it's good. And just because it's expensive doesn't mean it's good either. But I would say that the, if you look at the quality of a product, like and the, 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 you know, the, the verification of the source, if, you're, if your SARMs are hella cheap, especially things like YK11, for some, most SARMs are more expensive than, than steroids. Just the oh, raw yeah. if you see the, yeah, the list the Chinese put out, oh yeah, yeah. You, you can get some pro hormones for a fifth of the price that you would get like legitimate GW. Yeah. Oh yeah. You and know, like so- things like stenabolic, um, YK, especially I know YK and Sten are like the two most expensive. I mean, you can get, uh, like D-ball cheaper, D-ball powder cheaper than rad. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, so- and the way they get around it is then instead of ordering D-ball powder, cause obviously that is a schedule that they'll order, they'll order some kind, some different analogs, different pro hormones that are probably aromatized at a high rate, uh, don't have, great anabolic to androgenic ratios and just toss them in there for, you know, eight, $900 a kg. <laughs> and, they're, uh, and, you know, and instead of a raw ingredient that could be upwards of six, seven, $10,000 for nope. a kilo. Yeah. Actually uh, a buddy of mine actually got um, gyno. Like he, he grew straight up boots, bro. From uh, taking a SARM compound. Um, I won't mention the company, um, but this was a, a few years ago. Uh, like he, he came up to me before I even had my store and he told me like that he got gyno and I was like, what the fuck are you taking? I thought, I didn't even think he did like, you know what I mean? Like steroids or anything like that. And he was like, I was taking this SARM compound. I was like, bro, you didn't take SARMs then. You know what I mean? Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't have grown breast tissue. And he wasn't. And one of the big issues that I have with SARMs a lot of times is because people just think that they're harmless. Um, and they don't treat it like they should as far as it being a PED with I mean, hormonal complications that come along with it. Um, they, they just, they pick it up, they buy it, they take it. They don't know what's in it. It could be max LMG. It could be DMZ. Um, it could be rad. You know what I mean? And then they roll with it and they think that, or they're taking Osterine and it's, you know what I mean? Something else. And all of a sudden, like, yeah, they've got itchy nipples. They've got, you know what I mean? testicular atrophy or whatever. And then they try and post cycle with like an over the counter estrogen blocker and that's not going to work. And then you got two months of, you know what I mean? Recovery before your levels come back. And it just sucks. Like I hate seeing it, but it's, it's kind of one of them things like uh, it's part of the game. You know what I mean? Like you gotta, that's when I tell people, I'm like, if you're going to get into that type of thing, you gotta understand that like there's risks associated with it. Like, I mean, you could buy, 
to buy like uh you know what i mean steroids off the black market fuck you don't know if it's anavar or if it's winstrol you know what i mean like it could be a 50 50 mix like to try and cheapen the you know what i mean the cut to give you like some of the effects that you th- th- those two are kind of expensive uh sources that are trying to fuck people they'll usually throw something cheap in like terenabol uh in a, a much lower dose to to supplement to you know to put in instead of anabar winstrol because it's all a money game so they're putting in cheaper things uh in place of more expensive things yeah and that's the other time when i hear people telling me they're blasting all this shit and they're 20 30 bottles or whatever and i'm like bro you don't look like you're on two grams of androgens a week you know what i mean so yeah you might have got really cheap bottles but is your milligrams like actually per milliliter the same as what you're thinking you're buying because if you're blasting you know what i mean i mean six seven eight cc's a week like you shouldn't look like you do <laughs> or you should have way more side effects than you do right? you know i a lot of guys their their diet is shit number one and two uh, a lot of dudes just go in and go through the motions in the gym they're, they're not taking sets to failure they don't understand that that's where the real growth happens is those last two three reps out of every set is where you're really improving and a lot of guys i don't know maybe they're just pussy and they they feel the pain and they put they put the bar down i know i i try to go until i mean it feels like there's a there's a knife being jabbed into into my muscle and in that you know if you're not taking sets to failure and your diet is not on point you do all the drugs in the world you're gonna look like shit and, and look if your diet is on point and you t- and you're taking sets to failure and and I condense it to taking sets to failure, but really comes down to pushing yourself during cardio, pushing yourself uh, to the point of exhaustion whenever you do work out. If you're not doing, if you do that, if you if you don't take any drugs, you can look incredible. Yeah, I think I that's think the missing that's the missing piece. And I've I've helped people along the way. Uh, a lot of folks that shouldn't be taking any supplements or anything. I'm just like, hey man, let, let's take a look at what your diet and your training is like. And you pointed out, like, oh, there it is. There's the problem. Put the fucking bar down. You still had another three, three reps in your minimum, maybe five. Yeah. And you're putting the bar down just because you've reached a certain number. Like, no, no, no. You put more weight on. You're going to reach failure around that number. They're going to bust two more out. You keep doing that. Now you're going to see your progress shoot through the roof. And a lot of guys just aren't putting the work in. A lot of guys just, they're just pussy. They, they, once it gets a little bit painful, they, they stop. And, but, but, they'll sit there and take, you know, two grams of fucking steroids per week. And it's just, it's, it's incredible. A lot of people also lie to themselves about their diet. You know, I run across that a lot. A lot of guys say they have trouble losing weight. They, they can't, they can't get lean, but their diet is shit or, or they, or they lie to themselves. Their brain kind of lies to them about how many calories they're actually taking or how many trips they make to the, to the fridge that they kind of completely omit from their mind, but those two themes have people kind of fucked up out there and, and taking drugs and, and looking for things to do when, look, just train harder and, and be more disciplined with your diet. Yeah, I I think if you're not, uh, if, if you're having trouble bulking and you're not eating to the point where you want to throw up, you're not, you're not bulking. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, I, I you're not, if you're not force feeding, you're, you're, you're not, you're, you're, you're not going to gain weight if you're one of those guys. Yeah. I'm, I remember when I was trying to go from uh, one, 185 to 210, I got to like 190, bro, and I could not go any farther. And uh, I mean, I haven't been under 200 pounds in a long time now. Um, and like, I finally broke that plateau. 
And uh, I remember cutting up chicken breast and like baking it to the point where it was like shoe, like shoe leather. And uh, I would carry it around like chicken jerky and like pop it. Like I would cut it into like dime sized pieces. And throughout the day, I would just pop it in my mouth and swallow it like a pill because I just didn't want to chew. You know, that feeling like you're like, I don't want to chew any (laughs) more fucking food. Like, so I would literally like just pop a piece of chicken in my mouth and like wish it back with some water. And I would do that every, you know, I mean, couple minutes, like just trying to constantly get like calories in. And you're right, bro. Some people are just straight up pussies. And I think the other side of it is that they're, a lot of people are just drug addicts. Like they just, they're, they're, I'm, they're always looking for a, a chemical solution to a personal problem, which is, bro, you, you just, your training sucks and your diet sucks. Like just adding in another, uh, adding in another anabolic or another supplement, like isn't always going to fix it. Like they're, they're meant to make what you're doing better, but what you do sucks. So like, <laughs> Just, just throwing in another CC or another 50 milligrams a day. Hey guys, so that was part one of the Matt Lane interview. Join us next week for part two, episode 17. We will get way more into drugs, industry gossip, people getting busted, and a lot of other really, really good topics that you're all going to want to hear.